Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Brianna Phillips. Brianna, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. All right. Well, I'm excited to converse with you and learn about your journey. I want people listening in to know a little bit about who you are and your background. Brianna Phillips is a California-based, a California-licensed attorney and the owner of Ocala, I did, correct my, 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 did I pronounce that right? Yes, you did. Ocala Law and Mediation Firm in Roseville, California. Brianna is a first generation college graduate and legal professional who strives to help others build generational wealth for their families. She does this by helping business owners ensure that they have legal and legit businesses through contracts, trademarks, copyrights, and estate planning. Brianna, what inspired you to become an attorney? Well, um, when I was younger, my mom always said that I would be an attorney. And uh, for a while, I stared away from it and I wanted to be a pediatrician. But when I got into high school, I figured that I wanted to be a sports agent and to be a sports agent, having a legal background as a female would help me. So I decided that I would go to law school. And when I got to law school, I decided I didn't want to be a sports agent anymore and that I just wanted to be an attorney. You know, um, when I hear the background of the parents behind the attorney, it always fascinates me and intrigues me about um, how the parents helped develop or raise up um, these attorneys. And even I love hearing about your mom's vision for you from a young age and speaking that that vision over you, whether I know her vision was the attorney, your vision was pediatrician. when she would say that early on, um, how did, I mean, tell me a little bit of what it was like, because I think that's a beautiful thing hearing about your mom's impact on you for her to be able to speak those words over you and to see you fulfill that, those words that she would speak over you. Well, she started because she always said that I have a way with words and, um, not a good thing, but that I could tell someone off without them really knowing that I told them off. So that was her purpose. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it was amazing for her to see it come to light because like I said, or like you said, I'm a first generation college graduate. So for me to go on to go to professional school, it was just like super amazing for her and for both of my parents there. They're probably more excited than I'm excited about being an attorney. Yes. Now, so, so when I think about the attorney journey, sometimes there's three moments that are like highlights. One, getting into law school, two, mm-hmm. graduating law school, and then three, passing the bar. Were any one of those three especially significant for you and your family um, in, in your journey? Um, for me, it was passing the bar. My parents and all of my family always say, no, you're going to pass. You're going to pass because I did graduate um, within the top 5%. But I kept trying to tell them like, the bar is a completely different field. Like law school is one thing to show up, go to class, learn exactly what your professor is asking you for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bar is something completely different. So a funny story, when I found out that I passed the bar, I didn't tell my parents when the results would come out. I just told them the month, 
right? And then um, <laughs> before I, I drove home from work and I checked my bar results before I told them. And so when I went into the house, I told my parents, the bar results are out. I don't know if I passed. And so I pretend that I didn't know <laughs> that I passed. Um, and so my mom was like freaking out um, and then finally got the system to work again. And she was jumping up and down and everything. And then I told her I already knew. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I, I, I love, I think seeing that, what, what it reminds me of is the concept that hope fulfilled. Like she had mm -hmm. this hope in you, this vision for you for a long time. And for her, you know, from an early age, you know, speaking that over you and to see that fulfilled, um, that has to just be an amazing thing to experience as a parent. And for you to also be able to see her joy and excitement for you. That's mm -hmm. just a beautiful, powerful thing. Yeah, it was, it was great. Now, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? I enjoy helping people. Um, the reason why I even decided to go into my own practice is because a lot of people don't know um, a lot of things about being a business owner. And so even when I went to law school, like I said, I wanted to be a sports agent. So I didn't even know about a lot of the things that people sue people for it. And I was shocked my first year. And I said, people sue people for this? Like, I thought people would just get over it. So I thought that I can take the things that I learned in my experiences to teach other people. So that is my favorite thing about being an attorney. Mm. Now, when you, when you brought up this, I, the word that came to my mind is people sue people over petty things. It's probably, yeah. it's the kind of the experience that you had. Now, right. now with your time, and let me ask you, with your time being an attorney or even in law school, what's, what's maybe one maybe petty thing you've seen somebody sue someone over that stood out to you? You go, oh, you know what? I can't believe someone sued somebody over this. Like what's the, what stood out for you? Um, it, it wasn't necessarily petty. I saw um, a company try to write a contract against um, one of my clients that said, basically that they couldn't do anything. And then um, he turned around and said, like he had the contract drafted by like a 20 year experienced attorney, but it was like a contract that you can find online and it had typos in it. So I thought that was pretty funny that someone tries to scare like the smaller person with a contract um, and they don't even know what it says. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's really funny. Yes, yes, yes. I think, you know, when I, when I hear about that, I, I, I'm glad there's people like you in their corner to be able to challenge that, again, that, that threat of intimidation, but right. you were able to kind of uh, deflate that threat and realize that, yeah, there, there wasn't much legitimacy to it. Right. Um, I love that. Now, now, how did you decide to focus on business contracts, trademarks, copyrights, and estate planning? So I decided, um, at first I was working for a personal injury firm and I just wasn't fulfilled. I felt like it wasn't that helpful to people. And what I did notice is that a lot of people, especially with COVID-19, started businesses, but they weren't necessarily legit. And then we've also had this um, movement going on in the minority community about creating generational wealth. So I decided to concentrate on business because we have people starting business, starting businesses and that we want them to be legit so that they're not sued and then they lose that business. And then we also want to make sure that they're protected so they're less likely to be sued as well. 
and then to wrap it all up in your will and your trust to make sure that business is protected to be passed down to your um, the next people in your generation. So um, just protecting the community is really what made me decide to concentrate in those areas. Yes. And you brought up generational wealth among the minority communities, which I love the concept. Now, when you talk about, you know, the movement, uh, again, sp speak to me or maybe speak to some of the listeners about um, what you noticed about the movement or, you know, kind of what's happening in that world. Um, like from your perspective, what, what did you see? What did you notice? And, uh, and it is talk about a little bit about um, what you've noticed with the movement among minorities for building generational wealth. Yeah, so the movement has been kind of going on for a while, but I, I noticed recently, like a lot of people came up with that phrase and started using it more often and understands what it means. And um, I think what we have to recognize is that a lot of minorities, we didn't know about life insurance. We didn't know about having a will or a trust, or we couldn't afford to get it. Um, we didn't know the importance of all this stuff. So our families usually start in a further back position than other families. So I think recently, and even in my own family, my parents did not go to college. Um, they might've done like a few classes of community college, but they instilled that you guys are going to college and it just kind of worked out for them. They ended up with three out of four college graduates, a registered nurse, a lawyer, and a social worker. Mm -hmm. And then our brother was a little bit on, you know, the boy side of not wanting to go to college. Sure. Um, so I think generational wealth was just kind of pushed on us. And then when that movement came, I wanted to make sure that I could support other families that weren't necessarily, that didn't necessarily start off at the same point, because even though my parents did not go to college, we were still middle class. And so we had a lot more opportunities than even other people in my family. So I just wanted to help other communities and be there for other people that didn't have the same mm -hmm. um, experience. Yes, I, 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 I love the concept. I, I think about um, when I'm hearing you describe that, that people, that families would start further back than others. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what I'm hearing is this idea of kind of leveling the playing field, right? Right. And and there, there are certain obstacles when you start further back, whether it's it's an obstacle of your fear, worry, doubt, or insecurity when it comes to even something something relatively simplistic, paying for college or right. paying for um, the graduate program or paying in your case law school or paying for postgraduate, you know, whatever that is. Um, I, I I love the notion because. Um, it, it, the vision, what I'm hearing from you is how do we have less obstacles as you know, of course I'm, I'm from a Mexican American background, you know, my wife's, um, half Puerto Rican and half, half black. So, um, so, you know, we think about these, these notions as well, um, especially in the minority communities and when, what we're doing to help our families to be in a better position than we were in. Yeah, exactly. Now, now, what has been one challenge you faced as an attorney and have overcome? Um, I faced being the ultimate minority, basically. Um, I remember in law school, I worked for this big firm over my first year, um, and I went to the court to meet a Black female judge there and I thought she would be like super supportive of me working and my manager at the time was a white male um, and it threw me off because she turned to him and said um, 
how do you feel about her wearing braids in the office? I had my hair like this in the office. And the manager was kind of taken back by that. Like, what? Why would you ask that? You're, meet, you're meeting this girl for the first time and she's looking up to you. And so that kind of threw me off because not only did she say that, my mom also questioned me about, how are you going to wear braids when you go into the office? And so a lot of times I feel like I do put on myself of, well, maybe they're not going to like me because I am black and I am a female less than or 2% of female attorneys are black. So I think that's one of the challenges that I had to overcome and overcome like, no, I, I passed the bar. I am a licensed attorney. I can do this job. So the thing of just believing in myself and not caring what other people think. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, I think um, I, I appreciate you highlighting that. I think there's uh when I've listened to um, uh, other attorneys, I, naturally, um, you know, the, the, um, the guests I, I've had, whatever, 25, 30 different, different attorneys on, a, a lot of them Latina, or, you know, are, are, um, are women from the, the, the Latina community. Mm -hmm. And they've talked about this idea of um, some extra criticism or extra mm -hmm. condescending behavior mm -hmm. that, that, that they have to endure. And, I'm, I, and from the sounds of it, um, you've experienced something similar. Um, and I think the, the surprising thing that, that they've talked about as well is sometimes it comes from other women or sometimes it comes from other people that look like them as well. And, right. and, and mm -hmm. I think that detail is always like, well, you somewhat expect it from people who are completely different. Right. But then when people that are like, look like you, um, um, that's always, I think, an extra shock and an extra blow that people don't um, always expect. Right. And the good thing about the firm that I was with, the reason why I was with that firm is because they were participating in a diversity fellowship. And the, um, the manager actually went ahead and was like, no, we don't care about her hair. She, it looks neat. She's here. She does her work. Um, and then even when I told the ladies back at the office, I was the only black person in the office and they were just so offended that she would ever say that. So a lot of times um, it does, it is hard to find like the support um, because um, she was older, of course. So it might may have been harder for her. Um, than it was for me right. to, because like now they can't discriminate against you for your hair. So it's just the kind of wanting to teach the older community and then trying not to be offended by the things that they say. Yes. Yeah. Now, let me ask you something, a question related to all of this, and maybe more specifically, even as a black female attorney, um, what do you think about this advice that sometimes goes out is, is because the, the, the industry is dominated by white males. What do you mm -hmm. think about the advice given when they talk about find, even as a minority woman, as an attorney, find white males to be mentor, a mentor, to be a sponsor, to be a door opener. What do you think about that advice and concept from your experience? I have not heard that one before, but I have come across um, white males that because there are more of them in the industry. So they may be able to refer people to you that look like you that may not necessarily be able to afford their services, but they think they can afford yours. Um, so I wouldn't be completely against it, but like I said, I, I found so many of them that are like, just kind of take you under your wing, but that was during internships. I haven't found any now that I'm out in as an attorney. Mm -hmm. Got it, okay, okay. Now, um, let me ask you the next question, which is what is what is one common challenge other attorneys face and what do you think is a great solution to that challenge? 
Um, so I think a lot of attorneys, when we're first starting out, we face the challenge of being underpaid and overworked. And so my solution to that was to start my own firm and do what I want to do. Um, but for other people, um, they may not necessarily want to start their own firm. I think a solution for them could be just to kind of talk to their boss and let them know how they're feeling. And if they aren't um, accommodated, then go ahead and look for another firm. I feel like people should not be afraid to leave somewhere where they're not comfortable or where they're not being appreciated. Mm, yes, yes. Now, typically when people are launching a business, there's fears, worries, doubts, insecurities, all of the above. What helped you, if you had any of those, what helped you to overcome them and launch your business anyway, despite some of those, maybe we might call them limiting beliefs that, mm -hmm. that are inside. What helped you to overcome those and launch your business anyway? Because um, I saw like a lot of firms that did have the um, types of law that I wanted to do business, um, but either they weren't hiring or um, they didn't have anyone in their office that looked like me. Um, I wanted to be somewhere where I'm a little more comfortable. Um, so I did apply to other places and it seemed like they weren't hiring. Um, and so what encouraged me to go ahead and start my own is that I, I would look where are their black attorneys. There are nowhere in these big offices. So when I find them, they have their own firm. So I said, well, maybe I should start my own firm because um, people like me are being successful in their own firm. So just seeing what other people that are similar to me were doing encouraged me to kind of go on my own. Mm. You know, I, I, I love the concept. And, and it's one of the reasons I love hosting people from different backgrounds um, on my podcast, which is people who look like you who, whether that they're already attorneys or whether they're coming up in law school or even whether they're just th thinking about what, what, what they want to do um, in life, people who look like you and giving them encouragement of, you know, as, as we, you know, we, we use the phrase now, I think representation matters. Yes. And for people, as you mentioned, if there's only 2% um, uh, black women attorneys in the <laughs> industry or, or, in the, or in the, uh, the same thing on the, on the Latino women's side, Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, I'm saying all of that because I think it's, it's powerful for you to capture the notion that you saw other people who looked like you who were being successful, successful and then allowing that to be this motivating factor that moved you into, well, if they did it and they look like me, that I can do it new force, you know, being me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I love that the, the visual that you gave there for, for the, for the principal. Yeah, and it, it was cool because when I did finally go out on my own, someone was like, I wish I would have knew about you. Like, I just needed your services and I had to go to someone out of state um, because I didn't know you were right here in our city. So that's the cool part about it, too. Mm, yes, yes, yes. What has been the best way to attract new clients to your law firm? Um, for me, since I started during COVID, <laughs> not a good idea. Um, it has been social media marketing. Um, I started mostly on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Facebook got me a lot of traction. Instagram got me a lot of traction. Um, but Clubhouse has like kind of doubled my traction. So if you're not on Clubhouse and you're an attorney and it's hard for you to reach people, um, I would recommend going on Clubhouse because the hashtag things on Instagram are not working as well as they were anymore. So definitely social media drives my practice. 
All right. So talk to me about Clubhouse. I, I literally, I think I, I received my invite this morning, right? <laughs> like, oh, oh, you know, I, I signed up. So I wanted to make sure my username was there. You know, so the strong life coach name was there. But I think this morning, somebody, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm, again, I'm so new to it. Um, tell me about maybe one, maybe if you have two or three tips of, hey, um, what's helpful on Clubhouse uh, to be successful? You said you double, tripled your, you know, your, your impact over there. What's helped you? Um, it's addicting for one, I'm going to say that. Um, so make sure you set out time to, um, to use clubhouse. Don't try not to use it all day. I did it over the weekend, but I'm like not doing that during the week. So be careful about the time that you spend on it. I find that the rooms where they allow you to speak and kind of introduce your business are the better rooms. They do have these rooms where it's like silent follow for follow. And I was in that room like when I first started and I was getting um, followers and everything, but I spoke in one of those rooms. And after that, I started getting like a lot of follows on um, Clubhouse and then also going over to um, Instagram. So I feel like, being in those rooms where you're talking and even where you're letting them know what you do and then also giving a little insight on if someone asks a question and you can help answer that question it can get you a lot of recognition mm. and and, and I, I get the little bit i know about it it's it's more talking listening as opposed to reading so it, for the for the person who's never even heard of clubhouse how would you break it down again in your own words, your own experience of, of what it's like? I mean, they, people are listening and hearing, oh, there's a room. Like, well, you know, what does that mean for them listening in that they've never heard of Clubhouse? So tell me a little bit more about from your experience. Uh, I would say it's like, um, like a Facebook group, but it's not writing. So you, when you click on that group, you go in and there's people in there talking and I would consider it more like a podcast. People are just really um, casual and they just speak. And then some people host um, events where maybe they're talking about trademarks or even doing like their own Zoom educational matter or like um, masterclass, things like that. So I would describe it as something like, kind of like radio. Mm. I mean, but then, so the, within these groups, sometimes there's a lot of people potentially um, talking at once or they, they try to not talk over each other or, and, and all of that. Okay, yeah, so they have um, this thing called the stage. So if you're on the stage, you have the ability to turn your mic on. So some rooms don't let you come on the stage. Some rooms do let you come on the stage. And usually the ones where you introduce yourself, they'll go in order so you know who's next. Um, so that, that way people aren't talking over each other. Oh, okay, thanks for the insight. I feel like I'm yeah. growing over here on the pod because I'm glad I had you on. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's funny. It's funny. The, the crazy timing of the universe. I got my invite yeah. today, um, got on and then I'm talking to you about it. So yeah, um, check it out. Love it. I love it. All right. Um, so let me go back to I know you mentioned Facebook and Instagram, especially so then you, but you, with a special highlight to Clubhouse. Um, if you were to give people one principle that worked for you on Facebook and maybe one principle that worked for you on Instagram, that's helped you the most. What would those maybe individual principles be um, that, that have helped you um, to attract clients? Okay, so Facebook, it will be those Facebook groups in your local community rather than the bigger ones because it's a little harder to kind of connect with people um, and then have it be in your industry. Like it doesn't make sense for a criminal defense attorney to be in like the business um, group. So just be in a group where people are talking about what 
um, you do. And that way you can say, hey, I'm here to help. Um, for Instagram, I don't really have a system for Instagram yet. I usually just kind of get um, people from Facebook to come over to my Instagram. So um, Clubhouse helped my Instagram a lot. <laughs> yes. Okay. Very good. Thank you for that insight. Um, excellent. I know a number of new attorneys, our new law firms are are asking that question. Hey, how do I use social media? And I love just kind of um, picking up a few, a few new ideas uh, for people to be able to leverage and use. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you offer someone just starting their career as an attorney? I would advise them to kind of just go out and get the experience that they need. Um, make sure that you know what you want to do. And if you don't know what you want to do, kind of try to go to a firm where they have multiple different things and that they're going to allow you to do multiple different things. I think that um, that insight right there, uh, I, I know a number of attorneys have started and that's been our number one fear, worry, concern. Like, what if I start doing something that I don't like? But I think your, your advice there about being a part of a firm that would allow you to get some experience in a couple of different ways, I think that advice can go a long way. Mm-hmm. And that's usually going to be with like the smaller firms, the bigger firms, they're kind of going to put you in one category and they usually don't let you out. <laughs> mm, yes. Okay. Got it. So then potentially that might be a great resource for the smaller firms might be a great resource for the attorneys who are trying to figure out what they want to do, where they want to focus, as opposed to a larger firm who, who might, you know, limit your ability to uh, change lanes, if we might call it that. Right. What has been the, so that's the advice you would give. Now, what's the best advice you've received about being an attorney or even about owning your own law firm? Um, The best advice that I have received, um, like I said, I went and I looked at other attorneys and what they're doing. And I actually contacted some and asked them to be mentors. And the best advice that I received was just do it. Like you are licensed, you were able to pass the bar, you know what you're doing, just go ahead and do it and make sure you have a mentor for the things that if you don't know what you're doing, that you can ask them and they can kind of help you along. Mm, yes. Um, I, I think mentor, so mentors, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm so passionate about this one area that in fact, the clients that I work with, if they don't have mentors or if they're not willing to have mentors, I'm willing to cut the relationship altogether. Because mm-hmm. again, what I do as a coach is one thing, but then what a mentor can do for you in your industry, in what you do, that is a complete different ability to add value to you. And mm-hmm. so you might have a coach, which is fine. Again, all of my clients know having a mentor is a, is a prerequisite to staying a client of mine. It's that important. It's that valuable. It can make or break you having somebody who's a mentor. Oftentimes, and you, you told me what you've seen, Brianna. A mentor can then even become a sponsor later and open up doors for you or even referrals um, in, in a powerful way. Yeah, they can see you referrals or even things that you don't, you know, it's something there, but you don't know exactly where to look and you bring it up to them. They say, oh, here's this source and here's that source. Um, I have a couple of mentors teach me how to even um, conduct my calls with clients and things like that, because I was in a whole, a completely different field at first. So the things I talked to them about were completely different. Um, And then I had went like maybe a year of not doing business. So I had to readjust to the types of things that we talk about. And 
those mentors can give you those insights or even some things to make sure that you're including and um, helping your client that the client would appreciate that you didn't even think about. Mm, yes. Um, I'm hearing that the mentors can be a great resource for insight. Um, it sounds like they can, they can make you productive. They can help you to save time. I think mm -hmm. most, what I'm hearing from you as well as the, what I'm sharing as well is there are wins across the board. I've, I've seen so few losses that come from mentorships as mm -hmm. opposed to all of the wins that, 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 that come in the door. Right. And you don't have to bother them all the time. They're, you know, they don't have to be down your neck or anything. So that's the cool thing about the mentors that I have. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, I think you, you, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I love the idea for our listeners as well is find ways to genuinely express gratitude to your mentors. I know um, some of my clients, I encourage them to get them a Christmas gift, for example, mm -hmm. when that time is right, just because they've helped you so much and often it's free of charge. So um, I, I, um, I think that's right. Like you don't want to be an annoyance or a bother, yeah. but you want to be a source of fresh air and gratitude for yeah. what they're doing for you in your world. Yes, exactly. Now, how have you established work-life balance as an attorney? Um, I have not, in my firm, I have not. Um, when I was working for the bigger firm, I did have that work-life balance because it was a, a particular cutoff time. And after that, I was not dealing with work. I would make sure I do fun things on the weekend. But now that I've started my own firm, I'm still, um, and I just started it in um, November. So I'm still trying to find that balance of um, when do I cut off work? Because sometimes I'll work and then the next thing I look up and it's 8 p.m. and I'm like, oh, I should give myself a break or do something fun. And then COVID is not helping because nothing is open. So um, I'm still working out, trying to find my balance with owning my own law firm. Yes. I think all the business owners out there can relate to, I think to, to, to that detail and to that experience where, um, where if we don't put in the work, you know, if we don't represent on social media, if we don't, um, we don't make the context or we don't do it, then there's, there's an element. I, I talk about my own experience. Like it's, it's, I, 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 I am the CEO, but I'm also the janitor, right? right. <laughs> uh, so I, I am the, I'm also the, the, the marketing manager and I'm the social media guy. And I'm, and again, right now, if you looked at the, um, the organizational chart um, of my business, that's like Derek, 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 Derek. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but if so, in a lot of ways, if I'm not uh, putting in the work, um, then not a lot of other people are, but I mm -hmm. think people relate to that, you know, figuring out, you know, where to cut off, how to get um, great rest and replenish and refuel, 100% um, relate to that. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, I'm going to sleep in, and then it's like 6 a.m. I was like, I have to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely need to figure something out. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, if someone was listening, Brianna, and they, they, they were, they were, they caught, you know, they, they, they loved what you're doing. They love why you're doing it. And they, and they can do anything to support you and your law firm. What would that be? I would say um, if you know someone that needs any of my services, just to kind of refer them to follow me on Instagram or even refer them to set up a consultation with me, um, send me a DM and see if they really actually need it. But the best um, compliment is a referral. <laughs> Mm, yes, the best compliment is a referral. So let's do our part, um, podcast listeners, to follow 
to engage, to share some of the content from even her profile grid over to your story. I think that would mean a lot to her and, um, and we can uh, do our part to really elevate what she's, what she's doing in her world. Mm-hmm. Now, similar question, Brianna, a little bit different, is this, if someone was listening to the episode that could connect you with your perfect referral partner, who would that be, where would they be, and what do they do? I think my perfect referral partner would be um, someone that's in the business industry. So um, people that are brand um, builders, marketers, uh, even tax professionals for businesses, those will be the perfect people to um, be my personal um, referral system. Um, And they would be in California. Yes. I, I love it. I, I love uh, the precision in that. I think you're the first, when I've asked that question to other attorneys, you're the first one that to specifically say um, tax professionals. And you're right, because there, that element of the tax professional who's working with businesses on an ongoing basis and to be able to be that great uh, referral partner to you, I think that, that could be a great asset to them to have a great attorney they, that they know, like, and trust and to send that business over your way. Mm-hmm. And then make sure that they're doing everything right in the beginning. So when they come to their tax person, <laughs> they don't have any problem. Exactly. <laughs> now, the last question I have for you, Brianna, is what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? So I would probably start with my mom and her strength. Um, I know she was kind of scared for me to go ahead and start my firm since I'm kind of young and um I would be living off of my savings if I don't make any money or something like that. And so she was scared if I failed because she knows who I am and I don't like failure. Um, But I think over time she realized that her strength is what pushed me to do it and which made her supportive of being like, okay, you can do it. You have that strength that Mm -hmm. I instilled in you. And then I would say for my dad will be his compassion. He always shows that he cares and he wants to make sure that everyone in his family is good. And I feel like I really appreciate that about him because without that, I wouldn't feel like I would have the help that I need if something were to go wrong. Yes. I love those qualities. And I love listening to you speak about the qualities you love most about your mom and your dad. If your mom or or dad are listening to this part of the podcast, I want to let them know, wonderful job. It's, it's, it's It's one of the most beautiful things in the world to hear a child talk about her mom and talk about strength, to talk about her dad, to talk about compassion. I just want to say, well done, outstanding job. And I love hearing things like that. Well, Brianna, thank you so much for joining me on the Strong Life Coach podcast. No, thank you for having me. It was wonderful. All right. Well, uh, podcast listeners, thank you for joining us on another episode. Of course, this episode is sponsored by Strong Life Scholars, whose focus is empowering Latinas with law student scholarships, undergraduate scholarships, community impact guidance, professional mentorships, and professional skills training. Uh, Go over to the Apple Podcast app. Give us a five-star rating. Remember to subscribe, and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you.